to the tune of Africa. Being an artist is fucking killing me. I bless the rain. Like that? I mean, if if you want to buy the rights to it, you can. Oh fuck! Toto's so expensive, probably. All right, everyone. Welcome to being an artist is fucking killing me. I'm sick. Oh, there it is. There it is. How are you doing this week, Rainy? I'm good. I'm just going to sound very hoarse, so right. Be prepared because you'll hear a difference between this and the interview. Yeah, definitely. How are you doing, friend? Um, I'm okay. Something weird happened to me that I would like to use this platform to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I got let go of one of my teaching jobs. Very sporadic, very out of the blue. Five weeks into the year for apparently the reasoning, I'm not going to name the studio, but the reasoning was that they could no longer afford me and my class registration wasn't high enough. How many kids did you have in your classes? I had three, I had four registered in my hip hop. Mm -hmm. I had one kid registered, sometimes the second one showing up in my contemporary. And then I had five kids in the jazz class. So to me, I was like really iffy if the contemporary class was going to run. And if that one, if I would have lost that class, it would have been no big deal. I would have used the 45 minutes between classes or the hour between classes to prepare for class, prepare for class, like class plan for the rest of the week, whatever. I wasn't upset if I was going to lose a little bit of hours, but I taught on a Tuesday and then Wednesday morning, 1130, get a phone call being like, Hey, we need to have a discussion. And then I got let go over the phone Mm. by this studio. And I got like very, very, very upset on the phone, which I'm like, I don't regret being upset or getting emotional because it's just, you're entitled to your own emotions. Yeah. And that's just like who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get emotional. And I like said that over the phone because I was having a hard time speaking. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just like getting emotional. Like I'm very, like, this is weird. Unexpected too. Yeah. Super unexpected. I thought we had just said like, I, I was actually feeling really good because the classes the night before I thought went really well. Especially, like, I could see, like, things already happening in my jazz girls where I was, like, yes, pointed toes, straight legs, you mm-hmm. know, getting excited. And then I'm, like, apologize for being emotional. And I said, I'm going to gather my thoughts and just give me a second. And she goes, oh, I'm, like, very surprised you're being emotional. Like, you're always so stoic in class. And you're always, like, it's, like, I mean, it's a job. I'm not going to come up. And also, like, I'm just, like, not a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not that kind of instructor. Mm-hmm. But I think that I'm a warm to my students, and I think that I hang out with them well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, really surprised that she was surprised that I was upset. And that she was like, oh, I thought you would be, re- be relieved because our studio is so small and the kids are so young. And I was like, no, it's fucking... I wouldn't be relieved. No one's relieved from being, like, let go from a position. Yeah, and it's like, this is one of the schools that... um has an after-school walk program so I like pick up the kids from a new nearby school and I walk them to class and then once they get to the studio they have like 45 minutes to change and have a snack and it's like I walk a group of like little girls and it's like so fun to like hang out with like six seven year olds Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and like my little girl gang every Tuesdays (laughs) (laughs) I was like that was like the first thing I thought about I was like who's gonna walk the girls the next week yeah I was like upset about it yeah. Also, are they still going to run that program? That's what I'd be interested in. The after-school walk program? Yeah. I'm sure they just, like, found someone else. Just to walk them, but then they're canceling their classes? Maybe it was, like, the director or the director's husband. 
maybe they're just going to pick up the slack because they can't pay anybody. Or they're saying yeah. they can't pay anybody. Yeah. I don't think I would have got fired if... No. If they're, like... I don't, I don't think they're not being honest, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think you're completely warranted to be upset. It's hard when you teach a group of kids for so long and you Mm. build these relationships and build these bonds, not only with the kids, but also with like the families and like the relationship amongst those kids you watch. And then you just don't see them anymore. Yeah, really, it's super fucking weird. Yeah, because you go from, like, hugging these kids and them telling you everything about their week yeah. and knowing everything about them to just never seeing them again. Yeah, they're just gone. Yeah. They disappear. And we were kind of talking, because that doesn't really often happen a lot in, like, smaller community studios or right. studios yeah, in yeah. smaller areas, because maybe it's because there's not as many teachers. Mm-hmm. But I find that that happens a lot in Toronto. Stu- teachers just get, like, let go randomly there's so because so they have turnover. more yeah. people or someone they know closer is coming in, you know? Right. Or maybe someone that's not asking for as much money. Yeah. Right? Right. Exactly. Because that extra dollar or more a year is really going to affect your taxes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That was my thing this week. That sucks, girl. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm feeling it. It's okay. I feel better. Um, it wasn't like... It was just disappointing. Yeah. That's all. And now I feel like I'm going to have to, like, do other things more to, like, make up for it. Yeah. You know, which is, like, not what I wanted to do. I don't want to pick up extra serving shifts. And I want to pick up... You don't want to move backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of feels like that. Kind of feels like a... Maybe not a backwards, but, like, a pause. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Which is disappointing. It's unfortunate. Me. Me. <laughs> Poor little girl gang. Oh, I know. That made me real sad. Yeah. All right. All right, this week. Oh, yeah. Change our tone. Change our tone. <laughs> Organic flow into conversation. Yeah, did you like that segue, guys? It's a good segue. <laughs> Do you want to start with a little bit about yourself, like an elevator pitch, JJ? Yeah, sure. So this is like in now? We're it. recording? We're in, okay, yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, so uh, my name's JJ Thompson. I was born and raised in small town Peterborough, Ontario. Um, I went to an arts high school there called PCVS, uh, which is now closed, unfortunately. But uh, that's just how Peterborough does things. <laughs> um, for um, uh, musical theater and uh, music and drama, uh, which is what musical theater is, so why am I saying that? Uh, <laughs> I've always been a musician as well, so that's what my kind of career is right now. I'm a folk musician uh, in my band, JJ and the Pillars. And, uh, yeah, I grew up playing music with my Irish family, and uh, I went to school for musical theater uh, at St. Lawrence College, and once I got out of St. Lawrence College, I realized that I wanted to do music instead, so I've been pursuing that ever since in Toronto. Great. What was the point where you realized you wanted to do music (laughs) instead of musical theater? Uh, Well, I was in a show out in Newfoundland. I was doing Grease out there playing Danny Zuko, and um, (laughs) I, uh, I just got to know... I, it was my first exposure to Newfoundland and to, uh, am I allowed to say Newfies? People getting shit for that now, right? Okay. No yeah, it was my first exposure to Newfies. I know that my friends that are Newfies are proud of that. So, uh, and basically, uh, it, the little time that we had, uh, in between rehearsals, uh, for the, for the musical, we were just jamming, like just big East coast kitchen parties. As they say, I had no idea what that was, but we had tons of kitchen parties while we were out there. And I just ended up sharing a bunch of tunes that I had written throughout college and 
my my school never really you know they never really promoted bringing original stuff to the table like the creating it was it, it was more of just focus on theater um, and focus on stuff that was already written or was there the option to like create your own theater yeah I I don't think there was. I don't think there really was uh, that uh, creative aspect, which is such an important part of the of the theater industry now, because we all know that we have to uh, we have to create our own roles yeah. uh, often. Like ninety nine percent of the time, we have to create our own roles. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that wasn't really pushed there, but the training was awesome. So I, I guess that's great. Um, but yeah, anyways, I was out in the East Coast, and uh, they were like, "Wow, these are these are really good tunes. Have you thought of Have you thought of recording them?" And um, I was like, "No, not really. Like, I thought that I was just going to be doing you know Disney cruise ships auditions for the for the next year." <laughs> uh, and they said, "Like, dude, like these songs are awesome. You really, really need to get these on on uh, on record." And so I went back to Toronto, and uh, I got a bunch of my like musical theater friends actually to be my band in JJ and the Pillars, the Pillars, and we ended up making our first uh, EP, which uh, ended up doing pretty good. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I kind of want to focus on the transition between your first album, mm. Wolves, yes, yes, and the second album, Daisy. Yeah. Um, because it, they sound pretty different, even though they're within the same category of. Um, folk rock. So yeah. what happened in those like three years to push you into this other, yeah, this well, other sound? Yeah, it was even, it was even more than three years because like, like I said, those, those first songs off of, off of Wolves, off that first EP were songs that I kind of had in my back pocket, mm. uh, for a while. Uh, so they, um, so yeah, they were, they're, they're from years. Some of them are from like seven years ago. Uh, Daisy kind of happened all around the same time. Um, they, I wrote, I, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. There wasn't yeah. such a gap between songs. Absolutely right. not. Yeah. Okay. It, this one, this album really just like poured out of me. Mm. Um, and it was like a very specific stage in my life in, in relationships and, uh, in just like struggles as an artist and knowing where I wanted to be and if I was going to stay in Toronto. And, uh, yeah, Wolves was more of just like an amalgamation of a bunch of tunes that we thought were good songs. Mm. That was a song that Wolves was a series of songs that ended up doing good. But this Daisy is a record. It's meant to be listened to front to like front to back. It's a journey. Yeah. It's it's supposed to be the same journey that I kind of went through at the same time that I wrote it. It feels like that. Cool. The first few songs are you feel the progression of the music through the album. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you. I mean, it's doing great on Spotify, so that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> doing it. a lot better than, uh, a lot better than uh, we expected it to do. Um, yeah, it's hard to release an independent record these days without the big names backing you or uh, the radio station uh, kind of support that we had for the first record. We ended up, just to explain that, we ended up winning like a big radio contest. When we had made our first record, we submitted The Wolves, which is our kind of bigger song on Spotify. Uh, We submitted it to a contest. We ended up winning out of 800 bands in Canada. And so we had a lot of radio push, which was a huge help uh, financially and then just like the publicity kind of, um, yeah, it just, it, it did wonders for us. This one was, yeah, completely independent. 
does uh, Spotify help or hinder people when they produce on their own? In my case, mm-hmm. uh, like I can't speak for everyone, obviously, and I know that for some people, they feel like the music the music industry is oversaturated because of how accessible music is these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <clears throat> no, Spotify has been uh, like a huge help for us um, in the past, and especially in these last few weeks. We there's no there's no guarantee uh, to ever get on a playlist editorial playlist on Spotify, which is like a whole other world for your listeners. It mm-hmm. it would take a lot of uh, time to explain what what the difference between like user generated playlists and editorial playlists is. Mm-hmm. There's a very very small team of editorial um, playlist uh, writers in in Toronto and in Canada, like literally like six people. Yeah. Are, are curating all of these playlists for a Spotify candidate. And those playlists are followed by hundreds of thousands of people yeah. that just put them on so they don't have to think about making their own music choices. Mm-hmm. So those playlists would be like Release Radar, Top 100 Canada, New Music Friday. New Music Friday, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then obviously there's algorithms like uh, you, Discover Weekly is like an algorithm playlist mm-hmm. that's yeah. about what you listen to, yeah. which... We pop up on for lots of people as well, so that's that's super cool that we're for some reason like fitting into what's trendy right now, but we feel like we're yeah, I don't know, we feel like we're different. <laughs> I guess <laughs> we feel like we're different. It's great. Um so talk about I would like to hear about how um the Daisy album came about. Like what you were you going through at that point in your life that made you write that pu- made you pour your soul out to this album? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are you ready for the big the big story I here? I love this story. Cool? Yeah, it's so on. good. Okay, cool. So uh, <laughs> I guess um, I guess it kind of starts out like I'd like to preface with um, I I am a, a musician slash bartender. I've been bartending for you know ten years now, <laughs> and uh, I had a pretty pretty great job at uh, at a restaurant in in Toronto. Um, and uh, had so many friends there. We were all artists, and even the GM was just like a huge art supporter. Uh, so yeah, things were things were really great until they weren't. The GM got fired. You've probably heard this story a million times before from people that work in restaurants in your circle. If you get a new GM or you get new management in, it, the place can just pretty much fall apart completely. Um, which it did in this case, and uh, it got so bad that the the regulars that we were seeing for years and years just couldn't couldn't come back because the food, the service, everything was going downhill. So I was starting to kind of feel um, f- feel trapped there, and I didn't know what to do. Um, and then the straw that broke the camel's back was one night at pre-shift. Our GM basically sat us down and told us that there was a, a frat party coming in. A uh, frat party anniversary, like a, f- a fraternity. Sorry, not a frat party. I guess it was a frat party. They were a frat and they were having a they fucking like party. Old frats, right? Yeah, yeah, old frats, <laughs> old fuckers, <laughs> old fuckers. Bros uh, were living the heydays. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, they came in for a private party, and uh, my manager told me that there was going to be uh, strippers coming in, and that she didn't want anyone to have their phones on them because she didn't want it getting out because there could be some legality issues and. And I basically like had explained that I did not want to bartend for this for this uh, party. Um, so they actually did move me up into a different, a separate room. But uh, when my buddy that was downstairs uh, bartending, uh, he said he needed a break because it was just like total, a total, total madness down there. I bartended down there for like a little bit, and uh, 
and I saw uh, there's like strippers and assholes and boners everywhere. <laughs> and I was looking at this uh, one dude that was just like, I don't even know how to explain. I don't want to be mean, but it was just like, just like bald on the top. You know, the, 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 the George Costanza. The ter- yeah, he was like fucking George Costanza. That's perfect. Meets like the dad from Arrested Development. You know what I mean? He's uh, George Michael Sr. Um, Ooh, which also got, he also got into trouble, that actor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That's yeah. true. Nice. Tom Boy. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Jeffrey Tambor. Um, yeah, so, anyways, this Jeffrey Tambor, George Costanza guy, was sitting there with one of the strippers, young girl, you know, 19, 20. And he was just like, he was just, he had her on her, on his lap and I was looking at his, <laughs> so uncomfortable just I'm when sorry. You that position. Yeah, no, I know this one, this is it. Like, this is why I was like, I don't want to fucking do this. I, yeah. I didn't sign up to be a fucking bartender at a strip club. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sitting there watching him and I started to really just like, like really look into his, like not his eyes. Cause he wasn't looking at me, <laughs> but I was looking at his facial expressions and I, and I, for some reason concluded, I was like, this guy would fucking give up everything. This he's married. He's got kids. He would fucking give up everything for this girl right now. And just the way I could, I could just see the way that she was, that she was looking at him and she just had him twirled around her finger. And I was, and I I don't know, I was fascinated. I was disgusted. I felt so many things and then I started like drinking, like just like we all started drinking. <laughs> oh fuck yeah, yeah! Like that was like a we would all have a beer at this place, but this was a night where it was like just full on bullet bourbon, yeah. full glasses. Um, anyways, I ended up getting home that night, and um, I started writing about this kind of romantic. Uh, it it, it sounds like the first la- line of Daisy is uh, this, our slow dance is almost over. And I thought that I just, I was trying to, I was trying to picture this being like a really nice situation for him, mm-hmm. even though as an outsider, it was a really dirty situation, but I tried to kind of romance it a little bit. And I ended up looking up the top, uh, some of the top stripper names in, in the U S and it was, and the ones that caught my eye, the ones that I thought were like kind of sexy, but kind of <laughs> like inappropriate and romantic and would fit the mold of a, of a of like a Goo Goo Dolls style song were, were Daisy, um, Bright Eyes, and what's the other one? Uh, oh, Candy. Candy. Very, very classic yeah. name. Bright so, Eyes is a stripper's name? What's that? Bright Eyes. Bright Eyes. Eyes. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. I like that. Next I feel up, like that's here a, comes a Bright good Eyes. stripper name. <laughs> yeah. I like respect that stripper. I mean, I respect all strippers, but I really love that one. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. So yes, yeah, so, so that's that's where Daisy started. Daisy started with that song and then everything else on that record Daisy ended up just being about kind of like the different perspectives of of uh, of a relationship from the outside and from the inside and in the beginning and the end and the middle. It's that sounds vague, but but that yeah, that's the light and the dark side of the Daisy, I right. guess, the beautiful flower. Great. Yeah. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. Um <laughs> and how did you formulate an album around that? Because you said it kind of reads from top to bottom. Um, yeah, it starts out with um, uh, a song called Puzzle, which is just, um, I, I guess, kind of about just overall confusion that I've had in, in my past relationships of just, I mean, relationships are hard, right? Trying to, trying to be with, with uh, one, one person for the rest of your life. 
there's a lot of things to navigate together. So that's just about me literally being puzzled of, 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 of what I'm supposed to do um, in a relationship. So yeah, it just the state, there's just, I mean, if you listen to it, there's just like all the stages of what I feel and my insecurities about relationships. And mm-hmm. there's, there's songs about my, my, I should make sure this is, comes out, out the right way. My aggressive side in my relationship that, which is me going out, seeing disgusting men, look at my girlfriend, talk to her or slap other girls' asses. And that makes me angry. So mm-hmm. there's songs about that too. Um, yeah. Is that Knuckles? That's Knuckles. Yeah. 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 How'd you know? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like that, like that song isn't like, it isn't like a fucking Nickelback. We're going out tonight no. to fight. Uh, it's more, sorry, did I clip there? <laughs> Audio terms. Um, yeah, it's not like one of those things. It's kind of like poking fun at myself because. At like uh, your jealousy? Yeah, my jealousy. Yeah. It's poking fun at that because I have nothing to, to, to worry about. I'm in a loving relationship with uh, uh, with Alyssa, who's also featured oh, yeah. on the, yeah, on the yeah, record yeah. lots, which is awesome. Um, and uh, I know I have nothing to worry about, and that's what you realize the next morning. Once you, you know you have a few whiskeys, you go out, you start you start getting overprotective, and I mean I do, not you, not like not everyone, but I, you know, I, I've been known to be overprotective, and that was kind of the first thing that we that Alyssa and I. Um, like not thought about, but we had to overcome together. Was you had to deal with. Yeah, we had to deal with it, and we yeah. talk about it now, and we and we talk about it like we were talking about it when we were in the East Coast this summer. How we can go out and drink and just have fun now, and we don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and yeah, that was something. That was a real big hurdle for me in my past relationships, and and uh, Alyssa really found the way to to help me to help me jump over that hurdle. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite song on the album? I don't think so. I mean, I like I I I I love performing Howl the most mm-hmm. because it's awesome to be able to step back and and watch Alyssa sing for mm-hmm. those few lines that she has solo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I I mean, I guess I do favor Howl in a way because of that, and it's just such a great representation of of our relationship together as two two musicians from the same small town. That kind of always knew of each other, but never, never got to spend time together because there was like a three-year age difference, which doesn't mean anything anymore at this age. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, Howl is really cool for us. It's got the passion. It's yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about the grind of being a musician. Yeah. Even though you're having like all this success rate right now with your Daisy album on Spotify. Yeah. How? What's the like daily grind for you getting to right now? Oh yeah, there's still a daily grind even with the success. Like it's, if anything, like at this point, it's it's only getting harder as we act as an independent band and have to have to you know do six posts a day about something or send thank you emails <laughs> or like I said before, we were uh, recording uh, cold calling people trying to get people to make a post on their on their Facebook page for the radio station that doesn't cost them anything yeah. and they won't do it. So, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of hard work, but the grind for me like the daily kind of grind right now is my my uh full-time gig is doing uh, like restaurant gigs as yeah. a musician and weddings uh and pubs. Mm. So that's kind of its own little monster in itself like 
obviously I'm super, super thankful that I get to perform music um, for a living and and make money doing that and fund these records and fund these tours by doing that. But they're not exactly what I want to be doing. You know, I'm kind of like a raspy Ed Sheeran personator at weddings. So, (laughs) I mean, that's, 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 that is what it is. It's great money and it's a lot of fun. Um, Raspy Ed Sheeran. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, um, one of the rest, one of the restaurant gigs that I had for a while, I was playing at a restaurant for over two years and it was awesome. Like it was one of those gigs that was like kind of perpetual. Every time I did it, I'd book something else. Oh, right. cool. So it was amazing. It was amazing. Where was uh, it? I can't say. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. That's okay. But anyways, um, <clears throat> I had this gig and uh, every time, this is why I can't say, um, every time the owner would walk in, uh, the, the crowd, the, the crowd, the people eating, they would be absolutely loving it, coming and asking me for, for requests. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one time, this is, a, this is a perfect example of what he would do. This one time I had a table uh, at the restaurant. There were like 15 people. They were spending crazy amounts of money. You guys know how it is in the restaurant industry. Table of 15 people in a fine dining establishment yeah. that were absolutely loving the music. And they were like shocked at some of the songs that I knew. Like mm-hmm. they were like, how did somebody your age know that uh, Van Morrison song or whatever it was, you know? And one of them came up and said, it's actually our anniversary and our first dance uh, was to Earth Angel by the mm-hmm. Penguins. And I was, and they were like, do you know that song? I'm like, of course I do. <laughs> like Marty McFly, come on. I, I, like, I'm a huge <laughs> Back to the Future fan. I know it. So I, I, I just basically like pulled this song out of my ass. And uh, I did it for them, and they started dancing in the middle of a dining room, and it was, like, awesome and magical. And at the end of the song, after something that just absolutely warmed my heart and everyone in the room's heart, the owner just happened to walk in during that song, and he, and he came up to me and said, JJ, are you serious? Can you pick it up? Mm-hmm. And that was just, like, a, a, like, that just happened so many times. And it was just, like... People that don't know shit about music always come up and say, can you play something faster? Right. Play something faster? Like, what, like come from Alabama. Like, I'm like, <laughs> what, what do you want me to play? What tempo do you want? Right. Because, also, like, it's so like, dance, puppet, dance. Like, yeah, it's just exactly. like, exactly. Like, ugh. your clientele is enjoying it. Don't right. fucking tell me how to do my job. Yeah, right. Like, I'm not just a musician. I also, because I, I mean, I've been in the hospitality business for a long time. I'm not playing this music for me. I'm not playing Don't Stop Believing because I want to sing it. <laughs> Again. Also, yes. <laughs> don't stop leaving in a fine dining. <laughs> Equally as fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. Mine's a little more like if like Mumford and Sons mm-hmm. covered Don't Stop, but uh, no, 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 yeah. There's just like some songs that like obviously don't have to be 125 BPM to be strong songs. But right. that, yeah, that, that specific. When it's just you and your guitar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just like you just playing music. You don't have a band there yeah. to bring other elements in. Yeah. It's going to be acoustic. It's going to be a little different than the original songs. It's going to have a different yeah, feel. Exactly. It's going to yeah. be a different environment. And it's really good on you to be able to read a room and to play things that are supporting the room yeah. and making the customers feel good and enjoy their experience rather than just what you want or what the GM wants. Yeah, exactly. And each, each, each one of these rooms has a different vibe. 
you're in a fine dining restaurant, you don't you don't want brown eyed girl cranked. Like you want you want something that's more like a little bit more wallpaper music, a little bit yeah. more in the background in the landscape. So, yeah, every gig has like a different kind of niche. Totally. Mm. Um, I'm replaced by a DJ at that gig now, oh. by the way. So, oh, yeah, that's why. Throw some shade. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of hurdles did you run into when you were recording Daisy? Either with like your own um, creativity or mm-hmm. um, writer's block or like monetary financial. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, that's a big one for sure. Um, well, let's just go. I mean, creativity um, wasn't that big of an issue with this record because I wasn't really trying to write it. It just, it just happened. It just kind of, it just came out of me. I, I improved most of it with like a little, little recorder like this guy. I've got, zoom. got a little zoom at home that I use. It's my best friend. Um, yeah. So I'm, that wasn't an issue. Um, scheduling was a huge issue with, mm. with this record. Um, our bassist, uh, Donnie, which I think kind of in the same circles mm-hmm. as us, you know, his, uh, his beautiful wife, Brie. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uh, he has been touring heavily with a band called the East Pointers, okay. who is fantastic. So if you haven't if you haven't heard them, check them out. Um, he's been touring with them all over the world uh, for the last two years now, pretty heavily. And I was very adamant on having him there for all of our studio sessions, which proved to be a little bit of an issue, but. At the end of the day, like I said, with everything else, um, I'm just glad it happened the way it did because you know the way it's all working out is, is exactly what I wanted. Um, money. Yeah. Money was, money was tough. Um, back when we were, back when we were funding Daisy, I was working a lot of shifts at the bar to just basically pump money into an account to make sure that we were able to afford time at Metalworks. It's definitely not overpriced because it's an amazing, amazing room that every artist in Canada from Alexis on Fire to Blue Rodeo has been in. Mm -hmm. So definitely when you walk in, when you sit on that couch, you're like, yes, I know exactly why people pick this room. It's, 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 it's really magical. It's, I think the closest thing to Abbey Road that we would have in, uh, in Canada. So yeah, money was tough, but we did do a pledge campaign. You guys have a Patreon account, right? Patreon, yeah. Or Patreon, Patreon. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I, I haven't. That I have... everybody should go and look at. Yes, there you go. Yeah. If all of our phone followers donated one dollar a month, we would never ask you again. Quote Patricia Allison. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave a toonie on the table when I leave. No, please just eat some food. <laughs> no, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for this coffee, by the way. It's really hitting the spot. Um, yeah, so we we did a pledge music campaign, which okay. is obviously mm-hmm. more senatorious music projects. So that helped a little bit, but that was also um, um, it, it. Still doesn't. It, it's hard to ask. I have always found it awkward to ask fans for money, even though they are paying for a product. Yeah, they're paying for a pre-order for a vinyl. They're pay- paying for a CD. Um, but naturally, you do have to jack up the prices because. CDs cost money to print if you're not getting thousands made. Right. They're not two bucks each. They're yeah. usually pretty close to um, what you're selling them for. Your margins are terrible. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm watching too much Shark Tank, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, so yeah, that that was that proved to be difficult, but uh, yeah, our fans did did uh, come together and help us pay for a good amount of a good amount of days, like the days that we recorded the last few songs, like Howl and Knuckles, were mm-hmm. completely funded by Pledge Music. So wow, so that was uh, that was really cool to mm-hmm. see that many people come together and uh, want to hear that music. What was the other qu- qu- a part of that that you asked me about? Um, if there was any struggles producing the struggles album. Struggles. With like... Monetary. Monetary, financial struggles, or um, like process struggles, like writing. Hmm. Okay, cool. I guess we did them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> the music video for Knuckles is interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Why? Why the cereal? Why? Yeah, why the cereal? Um, I don't know. There's, well, there's like a lot of reasons why it's cereal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't eat a lot of sweets. Uh, I really, I, like, I really, like, I, I'm not one to go for the, the dessert table. Um, but I do love cereal. Uh, specifically Reese's Puffs. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Reese's Puffs. And I love Fruit Loops. I love the aesthetic of Fruit Loops. I always love <laughs> the, uh, the colors before they, I mean... Now they've taken all the harmful dyes out, so it's kind of like a dull, it's like a duller version of uh, <laughs> of what we grew up on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's be... why millennials don't eat cereal anymore. It's a whole business article about that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. There's, no. Yeah, there's like a whole thing about how millennials don't eat cereal anymore. <laughs> oh my god, I have to. Look, I should have been using this stuff to bump go. up the plays on the video. <laughs> uh, yeah, me and me and my buddy Jeff uh, just got together and we were. And we were basically like, look, we need to we need to get a lyric video. That seems to be um, like where the industry is kind of going right now because there's not a lot of funding for music videos. You got to get things done for either like free yeah. or as cheap as possible. Um, so we wanted to do a lyric video, um, and we thought, well, if we just have some form of visual stimulus mm-hmm. then people are more inclined to listen to our uh to our song if they've right. never heard of jj and the pillars so rather than just like your band yeah 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 which was actually the the, the original concept was just going to be us sitting at a table eating cereal mm. and it would just be the lyrics and just us just slamming huge bowls <laughs> of our favorite cereal and i was like that sounds like a delicious and amazing idea <laughs> But then it ended up, um, we were like, you know what, let's, let's take it a step further. Let's, let's see if we can, uh, you know, turn a, turn a, a fine dining restaurant into a, into a, a cereal restaurant for, for a night. So I asked, uh, I asked the restaurant that I work at now if, uh, we could use, uh, if we could use the, the space yep. and, uh, they let us use the space, uh, in between the hours of 12 and six. And we used those six hours with a bunch of friends to do exactly what we did. We, Ate cereal all night, and uh, we ended up uh, designing our own uh, alphabet cereal uh, font. And we had a little uh, Lucky Charms marshmallows being the yep. kind of cue for the uh, the karaoke lyrics on the on the bottom of the video. So, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Shameless, Knuckles. Shameless plug. Yeah. Knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I ask you what kind of budget you had for the music video? Uh, let me just think for a second. So I went to Walmart <laughs> and I bought eight boxes of cereal, uh, jumbo size, which we only, we only ended up using like four. Uh, I bought, I bought like 12 liters of milk. 
<laughs> so gross. And rented a smoke machine. Uh, for the playing shots, right? For the playing yeah. shots down in uh, the private dining yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Yes, which you probably remember. Yes, yeah. we worked together at a restaurant, um, <laughs> Corinne and I. Um, and the restaurant was okay with the smoke machine, eh? You didn't fucking care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. We Ask were just like, everyone, <laughs> if, if the alarms go off, we bolt. Yeah. That's pretty much Everybody it. pick up your gear and run. Yeah, yeah. Water-based, so yeah, I guess they still do kind of fuck with uh, fire alarms. But no, yeah, they, uh, nothing, nothing, nothing bad happened. We cleaned up all the spilt milk. <laughs> no spilt milk. I could have just said that or something, something, something cheesy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's great. Do you plan on making other music videos yeah. for everything? Yeah, definitely. We're, we're in the works of trying to figure out what we're going to do for Howl uh, with Alyssa. Um, yeah, but we just don't, we don't have an idea that's completely sticking right now. Uh, because our first record was called the, like, like we had a song called the wolves. Mm. We were out in the forest in that music video and there was a full moon that night, which just happened to be just by chance. We're just like, well, how do you make a video that's called like howl, howl at the moon without doing like doing that. Without just knocking off your own thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're just like we're we're looking we're looking for inspiration. So if you guys have any ideas, let me know. Mm, maybe. Yeah, we just got honestly. We're just doing that. We're just talking to our friends about ideas, about locations. We're thinking about maybe finding a rooftop in Toronto and just mm. like doing like a more of like a. It's you could also do like more of like a party howl, right? It doesn't have to be like in the woods. You could do it more rooftop yeah. party howl. Rooftop party. Like, if we yeah. had a budget, this would be a super easy thing for me to do. The old because I would movie. go, like, I would literally go fucking Teen Wolf on this. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be, Alyssa and I would be naked in the woods morphing, and our spines would be coming out of our backs, and there'd be teeth and hair just coming out of everywhere, and then we'd probably fuck at the end of the video. <laughs> I don't know, it would be... It'd be really disturbing and awesome. I'm a horror movie fanatic, so yeah. But we don't have that budget, so yeah, it's probably just gonna be us in a cafe drinking coffee. And still fucking at the end of the video. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Um how many people are in the band total? Five of us now, including yeah. Alyssa. Alyssa's kind of just been like um she's an amazing addition to the band. So we haven't really like officially announced that we're a five piece, but mm-hmm. we're slowly kind of working that into our socials that it's more of like a Fleetwood Mac kind of thing now, mm-hmm. which is a huge like influence of ours. Totally. Um, I hear yeah, that. So we're kind of going through, yeah, going, going for that five piece look right now. Oh, great. But it's going to keep, like, that's the thing about JJ and the Pillars. And that's why I started it out this way was because I always wanted it to be like, Solo artist and his cool name for his uh, for his posse. You know what I mean? Ray Le Montagne and the Pariah Dogs. I was like JJ and the support band, which I came up with Pillars, which yeah. is just like because I I just I don't know how, but the strongest musicians in Toronto are always willing to fill in for me, and I'm so thankful for all of you out there if you're listening. <laughs> to this. So when it comes to funding like the album and other projects, it's you solely that you do it, right? It's not the band members. It's not like a group. Um, I am like, yeah, I guess I'm the sole proprietor. Um, yeah. But there is, you know, there's been some instances in the past where we've had like a, a really, really good gig or if we yeah. do really good on merch, then we're like, 
let's put this money aside so that mm-hmm. we can use this for Facebook promotion, Instagram promos. Mm-hmm. Goes back into the band. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But everything just costs so much money now. Yeah. You just can't. You, you, there is just no way to release other than SoundCloud. There's really no way to get your music out for free. Spotify and iTunes, you guys probably know with distributing this podcast, like, does it cost money for a podcast? Um, we have, we pay yeah, for hosting. Hosting, okay. Which yeah. is like, keeps it all in one place. But that hosting provides a service that it puts it out to all the platforms. Oh. Mm-hmm. So like, I only have to, or we only have to upload every episode once it's uh, edited and uh, mastered okay. up to the hosting with like all the show notes, all the tags that we want to use. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I like set a release time. It'll be like 2 a.m. on Tuesdays. So when you wake up, it's already on your device. Oh, nice. If you have automatic downloads on your device, like with your podcast. So it goes to Spotify, it goes to Google Play, it goes to iTunes. And what is and the name of the provider that you guys use for that? Lipson. Lipson. Yeah. Lipson, yeah. Cool. We looked at a couple different yeah. ones, but we decided on Lipson. There's a lot that do a lot of similar things. Yeah. But Lipson is super easy to navigate, and it's what a lot of big podcasters use. We did a lot of research when we first started on it, on yeah. which nice. ones to use. And we limited it down to two, and then we kind yeah. of just decided. Um, and there's some that you can use for free, mm. but they only allow for a certain amount of storage. Yeah, what we yeah pay that for, makes sense. What we yeah. pay for Lipson is that we can upload you know, multiple episodes in a month yeah. and have enough space that, that we're not worried about the size of our files, really. Yeah. Right. And are you capped at a certain amount of time for your episodes? It's not time. It's uh, episode. It's like file size. Oh. Yeah. There's yeah. some that do cap at time, though, so you have to be careful how long your podcasts go. Ours is capped at size, so even if I have an hour-long podcast, I can export it differently to yeah. make the file size smaller if I need to be. And because it's just sound, it doesn't change the quality of it. It doesn't? No. Oh, that's good. Not really. Yeah, Not nothing noticeable with nothing, voices. It'd be different no. if it was an orchestra. But, yeah, yeah. And nothing noticeable with voices, especially pe- if people are playing it off their devices. Mm-hmm. Which like, is often the case. Yeah, right? it's people aren't playing it on surround sound, so I'm not worried, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe they are. Maybe. <laughs> Ballers. Yeah. Ballers. New, uh, new, episode, new episode of This Artist is Killing Me. Better go buy a Bose sound system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Up the quality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you guys currently seeking representation, or are you not interested in that at all? Yeah, def- definitely seeking. Um, we do have like a small team of people that were working with but kind of paying to to work with yeah uh at at this point that like there's just so many ins and outs of like what like uh, distributing and labels and everything uh for the first record we we had dynalone records uh distributing through their uh like like how you guys were saying you guys use lipson through their i believe it's called believe uh account which is how they get everything on apple uh, and uh, Spotify and Google Play. Mm. Uh, so we had them helping us out, which was a massive, uh, mm. um, yeah, just massive help for us because they're one of the best and biggest rec- record labels, independent record labels in Canada. They represent City and Color, uh, the Sheepdogs, mm. uh, Monster Truck, the Lumineers. Like they, they represent like so many great bands. So to have them even just posting about us on their Facebook page and their Twitter was amazing yeah. for a band that just created their first record. Right. Um, now we're working with a company called Flying Colors in Liberty Village, which is awesome because they're a few blocks away. Mm-hmm. So if there's ever an opportunity to meet with somebody that's at their office, it's just a quick phone call to come over and, 
hey, we have somebody, we have a radio promoter from the U.S. that's going to stop by and look at the office. Do you want to come by and play them a tune? Cool. We just started working with them, so they've been doing some great things. They've been pushing us on Spotify. Mm-hmm. We're on the cover of, of some of the playlists on Spotify now, which is because of them. Cool. Um, yeah, so we're working with them. We're lo- looking for some agent, like mm-hmm. some agencies right now to come yeah. out to our shows. and And... Uh, but labels, I don't know. I think it's doing so well independently right now. Right. We probably, we probably, <clears throat> sorry, I choked on the food that I didn't even eat yet. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we're not really looking for a label for Daisy because right. it's pretty cool. That's just right. rock in itself. Do you guys the, see, like, because so when people download from iTunes, you see monetary value right away. Or I'm sure every month or something. But from Spotify, you don't see anything. Right, because people aren't paying for it. You're just putting it up there, right? Uh, no, that's that's wrong. Actually, oh. um, it's Spotify. As far as I know, now I've had like I've had like very short conversations about this. Yeah. But yeah, we've made money off of Spotify for sure. Oh. Uh, they've got like a three tier system, so you have your uh, Spotify free users. Which I don't like. Do you guys pay, pay for Spotify? I pay yeah, for it. I pay, so you yeah. guys pay for Spotify. So you're not one of those people. That's just somebody that has the app shuffle playing your songs. Yeah. They're not able to pick this on. There's advertisements. Blah blah yeah. blah. There's a second tier, which is people that pay for your uh, pay for their subscription and listen to your music. So that counts as a different kind of play on, oh, on Spotify. See. So do you have to follow the artist, probably. Or um, so that's. That's, so that's not Am I confusing tier. people? Sorry. No, no, that's okay. So second tier is just like, say, somebody that listened to New Music Friday last week. Uh, we had like 1,200 plays on how on that one playlist. Yeah. Say they were all ideally people that were paying for Spotify. Those subscribers. All as, Monthly subscribers? Yeah, subscribers yeah. to Spotify, not to us. Has yeah. nothing to do with it. Then the third tier is people that save your music. Mm. So the downloading thing. Yeah. Because like... It's hard to get somebody to buy your album when there's a free download button on your record on Spotify already. Yeah. Even though the sound quality isn't as nearly good as it will be on Apple Music or iTunes. Oh. Um, they, if they download, that counts for something else. And I think now this might just be like something that I've dreamt about or created in my own head. But I think if they, which so why am I even saying? That? But um, if they do download it and they keep it on their phone for like it's like it could, I don't know if it's a twenty four hours or a certain amount of time, then that counts for something else as well. Hmm. Spotify also has milestones, so like if you reach a million plays yeah. on certain things, yeah. you get little bonuses. So they they are paying artists, but unfortunately, it's not for the artists that are getting a few thousand plays. It's right. The ones that are getting a million plus, yeah, are, is when you start to see checks right. that can actually ha- help you. Right, there's mm-hmm. like a little bit of hierarchy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, with Apple Music, though, they're much, yeah, they're actually much better with with paying musicians, and that's more of an instantaneous. Uh, yeah, because it just like does the dollar twenty or whatever percentage you yeah, take. Yeah, it's not like goes. it goes straight into your no. PayPal account. But every few months, you can kind of basically message your distributor or say, send this money to my account, uh-huh. which I don't, I, I don't exactly know how to do that yet. I should probably find out. Yeah. But uh, that's why we're working with people <laughs> like these flying color dudes. Yeah. Because they'll, uh, they'll help us do that. Right. right. Yeah. Do you feel comfortable handing off part of that work to other people? 
yeah. accepting that help. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. because I know that like my expertise is making and performing music, yeah. mm-hmm. not promoting it. Right. Like I, I mean, Instagram is fun and I love to do like stupid videos, like in that, like Andy Samberg sketch kind of type stuff. I yeah. love doing that, but that's not going to sell records. Right. These companies, they have people that have devoted their lives much like us. They've went to school for something for a niche. Yeah. I would much, I would much rather give them a cut and make sure that they're getting paid for their passion and for mm-hmm. what they like to do in advertisement and marketing and whatever they do, uh, not to downplay it, but, um, yeah, no, I, I feel very comfortable handing it off as long as the fee isn't too hefty. They know the research numbers probably Yeah, and how to do things and what percentage gets. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I I mean, I'd like to say, I like to say algorithms in, in, uh, in conversations (laughs) because it makes me seem like I know what I'm doing. Buzzwords. Exactly. It's just shit that I've heard on Joe Rogan. So I just, (laughs) did you listen to the Roseanne Barr episode? I haven't Um, yet. I really want to. Is it good? It's, I have mixed feelings about it. The first thing that I comes... I think you're supposed to, right? Yeah. You're I supposed mean, to have mixed feelings. It's, it's fucked up, but... Um, I have... I think she does a really good job of holding herself accountable to what happened and why Roseanne mm. got canceled and all of those kind of things. Yeah. But she's a friggin' crazy person. Mm. Oh, yeah. She's like a conspiracy theorist mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. Right. who like believes crazy things are going on. Well, this is a perfect apartment to see uh, how flat the earth is. We're on the fourth floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but like the first thing out of her mouth just like rubbed me the wrong way. And I had like a little bit of a bias listening to the rest of the episode. But I listened to Did it. Did she say, I'm glad Jamie's not black? <laughs> no. She, the first thing out of her mouth, what she said was along the lines, and I'm quoting, the problem with the Me Too movement is that mothers are raising bad sons. Oh. So she's blaming women twice. Oh, God. Right? So not only are women being violated and they're yeah. being, you know, victims of sexual assault. and But they're passing things. on. But, like... they're, but they're making that happen because they're raising bad kids. Also, like, nothing to do with the fathers. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to do with... You think she would have learned by now that maybe she should just kind of just... Maybe start just not talking about that shit. Yeah. And it's so, that's like so weird to me because she talks about her family structure and her kids and her grandkids. Well, she did a great job of raising her son. Like he seems like a pretty great dude. Everything Mm. like, she has like such a matriarchy in her house that it seems so weird that she'd be so blaming of other women for raising bad kids. Yeah. And she's always been that, like the reason why Roseanne was such a, was such a hit was because... It was one of those first TV shows where the mother was such a strong Character. part of that. And she yeah. she ran she yep. ran that house. Yep. Poor John Goodman, eh? I was just actually listening to an interview of him, John Goodman, um, John Goodman talking about all of it, and all of like the actors, well, not all of them, but the one he especially, they're like very like forgiving of her, and they were like she gave up a lot for us to be able to do the Connors. Yeah. So they're all like very. Yeah. She takes amazing responsibility for it. Yes. And she's like, I said something I shouldn't have said and I shot myself in the foot and now I'm paying the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she has a lot of, I think there's like some mental illness there. Yeah. A little bit of, she's not treating. Well, and she's also, I mean, she's obviously heavily medicated. Heavily medicated. She's putting a shit ton of toxins in her body constantly. She's not healthy. No. I mean, we all know that. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of like this perpetual or a perpetual downward spiral for her of like, 
she's not getting better. Like, like she, I, I did see the, the clip of her saying that she started smoking heavily again after all this kind of stuff happened. And she's yeah. just like, she's obviously got her vices and mm-hmm. hope she can figure it out. <laughs> she can just retire to her macadamia nut farm in Hawaii and not talk anymore. <laughs> Roseanne rant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but it was really good. I highly suggest. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're supposed to have, a, you should have mixed feelings about those kind of people, right? You should yeah. be able to like see the humanity in them. Yeah. And that people make mistakes, but then you can be critical of them as well and be like, yeah. don't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all, we've all, we've all said stupid shit. It's just like, it's so different when you put it on Twitter and you have right. millions of people follow, uh, following. Do you feel as someone who's like up and coming? Yeah. Um, and like when you, more fans you get and the more following you get, do you feel like there's things in the past that you are like afraid that or like stupid things that you would have said that are, you're afraid of getting out now? Or do you have any moments that you're like, or have you even thought about that? I mean, I've definitely thought about it. I think, I think when all like just personally, like music aside, I think when a lot of the Me Too stuff started servicing, you go, was I ever like a fucking misogynist? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, um, so yeah, I've always, I've always thought about that, but I don't, I honestly don't think there is anything that could bite me in the ass. I mean, I I think sometimes like I have, like we have like a a fucking song on our last record called Come With Me. Mm And it's like, it's not about like jizzing, but it sure does sound like it a little bit. Like it's about, it's about going home with somebody for yeah. sure. Right. Um, but Just yeah. Just play like, on words. And I, I, and it's funny, like, I think the lyrics to that song, it's like, it's, it is like one of those, it is like one of those like songs that's like kind of sexy. It's a rock song. And, uh, I know that when I was a single man in a rock band, women tended to tend to like that they like that song a lot and they Mm. danced to it and they thought it was hot uh but i'm actually really proud of myself of like looking back at this song i wrote when i was like 22 (laughs) um and horny as fuck um, (laughs) that like it's still like it's kind of like knuckles in that way it's just like it's this light-hearted way of like me saying that like i need to get laid um (laughs) So yeah, I'm really, I'm like proud of myself that nothing came off the wrong way. And like it, there's something like that seems very consensual about that song too from, and that was not something I was thinking of actively, but I just think it's just, it's kind of in my blood to write that way. So even though I was, I was kind of strategically writing an upbeat rock tune that would get that sort of attention. Yeah, it, it ended up uh, it ended up uh, coming across <laughs> coming across. Uh, okay, can I have some more coffee? Yeah, of course, thanks so much. It, that's good though, because there's so many songs now too that are just like not aging well oh. in this era. Like one of my favorite ones is uh, "Baby, It's Cold Outside." Yeah. And it just like is not aging well at all. That one, yeah. like it's gonna be a rough year for that one. I bet. <laughs> if people yeah. like eventually, people are just gonna stop playing certain music, right? Because mm-hmm. they're not. You know, oh, absolutely. It's like this argument. It's also like the conversation around do you support artists with history of abuse, sexual or not, right? Do you separate the art from the artist? Right, when yeah. it's, when it's Especially with, like, especially with music, because you don't have to see their face. You never had to actually have interaction with them. Mm-hmm. And if something's catchy, it's catchy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
But you can, uh, it can be so compartmentalized, right? Whereas, like, stand-up comedy is, even though a lot of comics uh, play uh, an exaggerated version or maybe even just, like, a complete, like, pseudo-character of themselves, mm-hmm. there's still something very personal about... I'm sorry, I'm just going to use him as an example, but you feel like you know Louis C.K. when you, when you watch his act, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel like you know who he is, so when he does something wrong... Yeah. That's the person that did it wrong. Is the guy that you know, that right. performer. Mm-hmm. But you don't fucking know. You don't know who the, like, even like, ah, fuck, I don't know a good example without like offending uh, like a band or something. Uh, but I mean, R. Kelly. R. Kelly. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It would have to be like like an indie band, like let's say Broken Social Scene. Okay. It's like if you found out that. Uh, or Emily Haynes or something from Broken Social Scene or Kevin Drew or whatever, if you found out that one of them was, like, like a piece of shit and, like, should belong with this this new, uh, you know, group of Me Too offenders, do you stop listening to Broken Social Scene? You never knew what these people looked like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They didn't really express a lot of, like, a, a lot of themselves through, and you never felt like you knew them. Whereas bands like, say, Nickelback, like the biggest bands, you've seen interviews of them right. constantly. You right. knew that they were with Avril Lavigne and all that kind of shit. <laughs> you you kind of you kind of can judge who they are as a person. You yeah. try to. Well, we we I guess yeah, you try to. You, Much like I judge people who like Nickelback, I'm sure I judge the band itself. <laughs> don't don't look at my iPhone. Don't look at my Spotify history. Am I just offending Saturday you? Night, or Saturday night after the, uh, or sorry, Saturday morning after my Friday album release at Daisy last week. <laughs> Jesus, just four o'clock in the morning, just blasting Nickelback Nickelback songs. has some good songs, okay? Like and I, everyone in, I'm, I'm not yeah. going to lie, there was about 25 people at my apartment <laughs> of all ages, of all different demographics, and I saw every fucking person singing along. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also think that it's just like, a, it's like floor. Florida. You love to like hate on people from Florida. Nickelback is like the Florida of the Canadian music industry. <laughs> in the sense yeah. that like to make an easy joke is just to make fun of Nickelback, right? Yeah, like, yeah. The similes are endless. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <sighs> That's awesome. mm-hmm. um, do you find yourself or in your personal life or with your band thinking about what you put out there a little bit more before you put it out there now because you're gaining a little bit of notoriety, you're becoming a little bit more popular in the music scene. Do you, is that... Is there a second step before you put something out because you're like, I don't want to hurt some rep- like reputation. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know if it's like any more than I would have ever thought because mm-hmm. even if I was just like, you know, even if I just had like, you know, 300 friends following me on Instagram um, or, um, you know, thousands of people on Spotify, like, um, um yeah, I don't know if, if I think about it anymore. I think I always thought, like, uh, you got to be really careful about how you re- represent yourself. And I think that's, I think that's where my, my training as, as an actor really came into. Like, like in, in that facility at St. Lawrence College as professionalism mm-hmm. has always been, like, my number one thing. Uh, so, yeah, I was always worried. I, I was always worried and, and uh, just careful about what I, what I posted on, on socials or about what I say, how you say it, how I say it. Of course. Mm -hmm. I think we should all be, um, 
you know, careful, but also saying what we want to say, saying right. what we feel, sharing. The only thing, the only difference is, is like now I wouldn't post a picture of my pad thai on my JJ and the Pillars account. You know what I mean? Like uh, I know, I know what pe- I know. It's like my favorite. I just thought immediately was like, ooh, I want Thai Express. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that and foe are just like yes. Alyssa and I are constantly eating or making both of those things. Eating noodles. Eating yes. noodles. Yeah. <laughs> Gluten-free noodles. She's celiac, so we rice. always have to rice. do rice noodles. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think I think it's just like I don't want to post shit that's boring or unrelated anymore. Um, and and I also have kind of switched, not switched, but like I've pushed this kind of ideology of of uh, of sharing other people's music as much as I share my own. Because I think something that's been really lost in, in the art scene, um, I don't know about in, in the dance scene for you guys if, if, it's, if, if it's the same way, but I really don't think that any art should be seen as competition. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a fucking huge thing in Toronto is that people yeah. are afraid to push other people, to show, share other people's music, even just simply clicking like on another band's post. Yeah. I find that like I'm sharing all these fucking Toronto bands stuff being like, check out my buddy's new music video. And I'm, and I'm, it, it's not reciprocal. And I think that's a huge problem in the industry mm. is like, well, maybe they just think my music shit, but like, <laughs> I also just see it constantly is like, it's a competition. And right. that is because, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a product of social media. That's like, there's just so much poison yeah. in, in that game now where we have to promote our posts. We have to buy likes for our fucking, uh, yeah. Instagram accounts so that we can, even use it as a utility, a proper utility. You need 10,000 Instagram followers to have a swipe up on your story. Yeah. So yeah. people just go out and buy these things. We've, we've played shows where the, the people have said, we decide the set, the, the set order of the bands yeah. by how many Facebook likes you have. So this band that originally when they signed up had 700 likes goes and buys 10,000 Facebook followers so that JJ and the Pillars is opening for them and it just doesn't make a shred of sense you know what I mean like so I mean I think that's happening a lot on casting calls too now yeah with actors yeah yeah, you can't they won't send people on certain calls if you don't have over like 50,000 50k 20k which is insanity Oh, and I'm sure, and I the social media game, is and I'm like, sure that's happening with uh, with hiring uh, specifically female bartender and servers. Totally, too. yep, yeah, it's 100%. like how many Instagram followers you have. What can you bring clubs, for sure. to our business yeah. promotion wise? Yeah, you have to have X amount of followers. Yeah, yeah, like the amount of girls that I that I've worked with in the past, and that's why I follow them on Insta. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen like posts like, oh, three dollar shots at at you know oh, Beaconsfield or Brooklyn or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. and I'm that's like part of their contract on being hired. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's garbage. Yeah. I, so, anyways, what I what, what I was saying is like now I try to really I I try to have a ratio of posts about us and then posts about other music that I like, yeah. whether it's a band that has millions of followers like the Lumineers like if the Lumineers releases something and it's really good I'm going to share it 
21 Pilots, biggest band in the world. I'm still going to share it. Yeah. But if, if a band that I know, like Joey Landreth, who I'm going to see tonight, if he releases a new song and I really love it, I'm going to share that too. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this industry should be, we should all be lifting each other up. Yeah. We should all be, hey, can you, can you do my podcast? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and this situation is recipro- reciprocal. We're both getting something out of this. But at the end of the day, we're just having a great conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, you can do a lot more for your community by helping sharing and creating community in a non-monetary sense, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Like relationships and networking can be just as fruitful mm-hmm. as just giving someone right. money to produce a project. Here's a tip. <laughs> if you're a server at a restaurant that makes hundreds, you know, a few hundred bucks a night, which is great money, and you're an artist, and you decide that on your nights off... You go to a restaurant that you can barely afford, but because you're in that scene, you feel like you're supposed to go to those restaurants and those bars and pay for $16 cocktails. That's great. But if you're not also going out and supporting your friends that are artists that have shows Mm -hmm. and that have uh, art installations Mm -hmm. and and dance... um, Dance shows as well. There's got to be a better performances, way. Yeah. Dance performances. <laughs> um, then, then you got to look at yourself and go, what the, what, what, like, am I supporting my own industry or mm-hmm. am I just supporting, am I just supporting like fucking restaurants and, and bars with, and buying things that I can't really afford and mm-hmm. wearing Aritzia jackets that I could have just got something. I don't know. I fuck, I'm going on a rant now, but. <laughs> Dude, like, rant away. Rant away. Honestly though, it's just like. Pay for art. Yeah. Pay for fucking art. Like because if we're not going to pay people in our own community, no one else will. No one how, else. Who's going to fucking pay us? Yeah. No one's going to see our value if we don't see it ourselves. But that's the frustrating part. As like three people here in this room right now that are paying for our art. Yeah. And making sure that we're we're paying for other people's art. That's frustrating because like we're a small percentage of people. Mm-hmm. So go out, go out to live music. Go out to a dance collective. Dance collective is a better. That's term. a good one. Very good. Dance collective. Go out to Soul Pepper and see a show. Whatever. Like, like, just. It's not all about Netflix and chill. As as good, <laughs> as good as the staircase and the keepers are, and the new <laughs> Netflix original movie. All of them fucking suck, anyways. But. <laughs> Like, I mean, Big Mouth is pretty good. Have you watched I don't Big know, Mouth? man. Give Adam Sandler oh, six Big movies to do amazing. on Netflix. Big Mouth is amazing. All the TV shows are usually fucking awesome. Right, right. It's the movies that I'm like, No, they give Adam Sandler, who hasn't made a good movie since Billy Madison, a six-movie contract. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Ridiculous six. Doesn't make any then, sense. Yeah, no. <laughs> I know. It's, it's ridiculous. Really grind my ears. Anyway, on that note, JJ, is being an artist fucking killing you? It is, but it's 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 also the most rewarding life that I could be living. So, yin and yang all the time, everyone. Ups and downs. Light in the dark. Yeah, which we know this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. That's a good place to end. Cool. Thanks, JJ. Yeah, thank you. This was really fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, thank you so much. For those of you that don't know, go follow JJ and the Pillars Instagram. Is it at JJ and the Pillars? At JJ and the Pillars. At JJ and the Pillars. Go download the new album on Spotify. We learned about that. So go download, download it, it and save it to your phone. Save playlist. it to your phone. Put it on your phone. Give it a listen. Listen to Daisy. <laughs> Hear about that stripper. It's an awesome song. <laughs> also, 
go to our, we don't know how it works for podcasts, but go to our Spotify and our iTunes and download the Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me yep. podcast. Subscribe. Subscribe to us. Listen to an episode you haven't listened to before or just re-listen to your favorite episode and let us yep. know which one it is. Um, um, leave us a review. Yep. Follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Do all those things so that we can maybe one day it. we will have over 10,000 followers. <laughs> um, also, thank you for being patient and understanding in our technical difficulties right. of losing a bunch of our We are so, work. so, so sorry to those artists who we've lost episodes from. Yeah. It's really frustrating mm-hmm. when it's something that's out of your control or I'm like taking a little bit of a personal blame for it. I'm like, oh, if I would have just noticed my drive was kind of not working or if I would have just taken the files off and put them online, even though they were already done, mm-hmm. that they would be up there. But it's like digging myself into a spiral. Which you shouldn't do. I know. Okay. All right. So anyway, we're sorry, and thank you guys for listening. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.